Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 19 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. The following is a paid advertisement from Go Gray. Hi, I'm Natalie from the FASD Hope podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about charcoal today. The Go Gray clarifying duo, charcoal shampoo and charcoal conditioner, is a great tool in your Go Gray journey. Progressively fade your permanent and semi-permanent hair color to help reveal your gray. A shampoo and conditioning duo powered by activated charcoal to help fade color and keep hair hydrated. Go Gray is a hair care system made to help you transition your dyed hair into your natural gray hair seamlessly. Go Gray has products for every step of the Go Gray journey, whether you have just decided to ditch the dye or you're already embracing your natural gray and silver hair and looking to brighten and nourish your overall hair appearance. The Go Gray Clarifying Duo Charcoal Shampoo and Charcoal Conditioner is part of the Go Gray line, which is exclusively available at Walmart and walmart.com. You can follow Go Gray at Go Gray Hair or visit Go Gray at www.go-gray.com. Go Gray. Embrace your gray. Animals are such agreeable friends. They ask no questions. They pass no criticisms. George Eliot. Thanks for joining us today. Four Paws for Ability enriches the lives of people with disabilities by placing life-changing service dogs worldwide. To meet this objective, Four Paws for Ability breeds dogs for their service dog program with their health, temperament, and potential skills in mind. Four Paws for Ability is active in the global working dog community, participating in international conferences to further their knowledge and support the global knowledge base surrounding working dog breeding programs. Welcome to today's episode. I am so very excited to have our guests on today's episode. I love, love this organization. I love everything this organization does for the community. I have a passion for animals and the animal-human relationship and just how animals are just so, so therapeutic and so needed in our lives, and especially in the lives of those that have a variety of diagnoses, including FASD. So today I am so happy to welcome Kelly Cam from Four Paws for Ability and Lori Hodney, whose family has a service dog through Four Paws for Ability. So Kelly and Lori, welcome to FASD Hope. Thank you so much. Thank you. So Kelly, we'll start with you. For those listeners who are not familiar with Four Paws for Ability, can you share the journey of how it came to be? And then especially how it, how Four Paws for Ability came into working with and serving those in the FASD 
and neurobehavioral diagnosis communities. Absolutely. So Four Paws uh, has been around for 24 years, and it started when our founder um, had trouble finding a service dog. She was told that she was too disabled. Um, at the time, she was on a ventilator full time, and they just thought that she really didn't have much of a chance of surviving or being um, much value to our society. And um, she just kept trying and trying and then finally gave up and decided to get her own dog, uh, found a trainer and had that dog train um, and help with mobility tasks. Um, so, you know, he is still alive and thriving, um, no longer is ventilator dependent. Um, and, you know, just goes to show you the, the human spirit and, and how magical a dog can be in enriching her, in, in her case, saving her life, and then um, inspiring her to start an organization. So 24 years ago is how, uh, how long we've been in existence, and we've placed over 1,600 service dogs um, since then. Um, how we became involved in working with the FASD NB population is really um, by people like Lori reaching out saying, hey, I know you do service dogs for this type of disability and this type of disability. Whoever consider doing it for FASD? And so that's kind of how it happened when, you know, calls first started um, because our founder had a mobility impairment. We just naturally started doing service dogs to help people with mobility impairments. And then one day phone call, hey, do you think you could do a dog to do hearing ear work? Uh, and then the next time, hey, do you think you could help um, provide a service dog for a child with autism that has a tendency to run off and provide search and rescue and, and behavior disruption and tethering? And then the next call after that, hey, do you think you could help um, my child with some of the same behaviors as running off and needing behavior disruption and tethering. And so every single time we said yes, because we, you, you know, we're willing to help as many people within the scope of our ability. And we found that we had the ability to train dogs to help in those areas. And since then, we've also added seizure assistance. We've added um, diabetic alert. And so um, we just are always evolving and looking at the disability to see what is needed. And then we try to do what we can to help. Wow. What a wonderful, wonderful story. And what a wonderful service and need that you feel for so many families and over 1600 service dogs. That is phenomenal. Wow. Thank you, Kelly. That I just, I keep, I'm going to say wow a lot probably during this conversation because I just, I love what you all are doing. Um, and, and that's wonderful. So I'd also like to welcome Lori <laughs> onto our show. Lori is the mom of a daughter who has an FASD. She's 11 years old and their family welcomed home a service dog uh, a year ago. So 
Lori, thank you so much for being on FASD Hope. And I wanted to know if you could just share a little bit about your family's journey when you learned that your daughter had an FASD. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, we, my daughter, um, we brought her home from the hospital. She was um, came to us through, she was our foster baby. And we had had some challenges. Uh, and um, as part of foster care, she was also a part of the infant learning program um, in our community. And they had discovered some delays. And um, it wasn't till she was about three that um, the different challenges that um, presented behavior um, started to show. And um, we, we had no idea, knew that there was something wrong, um, but had no idea what it could be. Uh, we do know that um, as part of her history, um, when she and, and um, the Office of Children's Services had approached us to see if we would be open to adoption, um, some of her records were shared and she was um, prenatally exposed to drugs and alcohol. Um, but at the time we had the impact that would have. Um, it wasn't until about we were able to get um, an evaluation from an interdisciplinary down at the Center for Human Development and Disability down in the state of Washington. And that's where she was given the diagnosis of FASD along with um, a handful of other diagnosis um, that seemed to all stem back though to um, the brain injury. Um, because of um, prenatal exposure to alcohol. Yes, and, and as you're sharing your story, Lori, I know so many parents, myself included, uh, we, when we first learn about FASD, we really don't realize the impact of it in, until our child gets older. And, and we know it's a lifelong disability. It's a lifelong diagnosis and it looks different during every stage. So um, thank, thank you, Lori, for, for sharing your, your family's FASD journey with us. I'm going to come back to you in, in a few minutes, Lori. I'd like to talk to Kelly about, we all know the therapeutic benefits of service animals, service dogs, the therapeutic benefit of animals. But Kelly, can you share what Four Paws for Ability considers what are the therapeutic benefits of a service animal for a child, a teen, or even an adult that has an FASD? Absolutely. Uh, we call behavior disruption techniques, and there are a variety of them. Really depends on what the child um, could benefit from, and that's where we get the parents involved. And so Lori actually had to create a video, send it in, um, showing some of uh, the behaviors that she had hoped that the dog would be able to um, disrupt and to get her back on track. And so a few of them that we train our dogs to do are an over, a lap, kisses, touch, deep pressure as well. Um, and so 
that's been very, very helpful to a lot of our families. They've said, you know, these just the dog going over, either you know, commanded to go over, go over, do a lap, or sometimes the dog just naturally goes, oh, okay, there's a meltdown coming. I'm going over. I'm going to get in position, do my job. And then before you know it, the child is, you know, petting the dog, talking to the dog, be giggling, um, and forgetting about what it was that they were you know, so upset about. And so we've heard so many families say, you know, these techniques have really lessened the meltdowns and in some some ways just eliminated the child now seeks out the dog instead of trying to you know do some other kind of um, sensory seeking and um, then some other bits um, we consider these really life-saving tasks that a lot of our speed dogs do are tethering and tracking and tethering is used when um, out in public. And so, you know, if the child has sort of that fight or flight response and they're trying to do the flight, when you're in the middle of a, a busy store or a parking lot, um, that dog can be tethered to the child with either belt or uh, on a backpack. And if the child tries to, um, the parent says, you know, put the dog into a down, down, then that child can't run off and then they can hopefully get to a safe spot try to deal with the the meltdown and and practice some of those behavior disruption techniques should the child run off though um, we have the tracking skill that they're trained to do we also call that search and rescue and so the child is sent um, inside and out and if the child does run off out of um, they can run and the dog will be told to find, and they will reunite much quicker than if, you know, the family had to rely on playing the police and having a canine search and rescue dog find that child. So we really think, you know, the therapeutic benefits are really important, but also the task-trained um, abilities of the dog that we just use help families keep their children safe. So there are so many levels and so many facets of benefits of a service dog. I, I honestly didn't even think about the tethering and the tracking, but that is such an incredible benefit and such a wonderful safety measure, you know, to have thinking back to when our son was little. And I know so many, so many families who have children that have an FASD same behavioral symptom, that fight or flight, they just run without thinking of the consequence because their brain is in that fight or flight mode. So having their dog there to keep them literally to keep them grounded. I think that's such an incredible benefit. And then, like you said, when a child, when a teen, when, when a young adult is exhibiting behavioral symptoms, that dog can, you know, through through kisses, through giving them attention, through that proprioceptive touch can really, it sounds like they're really that, that service animal, that service dog is, is redirecting that, you know, where the child or where that um, individual's brain is trying to head and they're redirecting it, but they're redirecting it in a way that I think is so loving and so, so natural. 
Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing that I think is so special about dogs is that they don't tell the child, no, call, now you have to calm down now. You know, the dog just comes up, doesn't use any words, um, but uses those loving techniques. And I think that's why sometimes it's easier for kids to accept um, the dogs than a parent because, you know, parents are trained to parent and trying to redirect with words and the dogs aren't going to use words. They're just going to use their cute fuzzy face. I love that. I love that. Oh my goodness. I, I'm just getting the warm fuzzies, no pun intended, just from this conversation, because I, I know how many kids and how many families are benefiting from, from this wonderful relationship of having a service dog. So Lori, we're going to go back to you now. As Kelly was saying, you, you made a video to demonstrate your daughter's behavioral symptoms and, and to demonstrate why your family could benefit from a service dog. Tell us a little bit about how you found out about four paws for ability and then just how the process happened from first call to where you are now. Well, I knew that um, actually when I had pulled them up on the computer, um, it was one of those days where I think I was at the end of my rope. Um, We were experiencing um, improper restraint and seclusion at school. Um, Things where I was being called on a daily basis to come get my daughter from school we were having a really hard time (laughs) and um, I was just, I was constantly looking because there isn't a whole lot. um, I've learned more probably in the last couple of years, but there isn't a lot of FASD specific. um, I don't want to call them solutions, but um, therapies. Yeah. Like services or supports. Right. Yep. Yep. And I do know um, in a lot of the research that I've done is FASD can present as autism. And I thought, okay, fine, I'm just going to go look. And I knew that four paws for ability um, did autism service dogs. So I thought, okay, I'm going to look them up. And it was the very first time, sorry, (laughs) um, that I'd ever uh, pulled up and found a support for, um, somebody that was, it was specific for FASD. And, um, I don't know if I hurried up and filled out the application or I called for pause. I don't know what, but I was just, I clung on to that. And from the time I turned in my application until the time that we, finished fundraising, just being able to hold on to hope that there was something um, specific for my daughter's disability and, and just having that hope because I felt like I had kind of run out of, I was, I just kept hitting dead ends. Yes. Yes. And unfortunately, first Lori, thank you for sharing that because so many parents on this journey, we feel like we're at the dead end of hope. We really do. And to know that you found a place that could give you something for your daughter that could really, really make a difference. 
I know, again, this is one of the many reasons why I wanted to talk to you both, because I know so many families could benefit from for pause for ability and learning about the relationship of service dogs and, and their children. So Lori, your daughter's service dog has been home for, you said a year before we were uh, started recording, you said a year. Let's talk about that relationship and let's talk about, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear about how your daughter's service dog has transformed your family. From the time that we got um, about uh, two weeks before you go to class to go up for your training, you get your match. And um, up until about two weeks before you go to class, you don't have any idea if your dog is a boy or if it's a girl, what color it is, what kind. Um, And it was... um, from the time all of this was put in front of us, um, it's just been meant to be. Before we we even started the process, uh, we, we in the initial paperwork we filled out, um, Julia was able to have input in, in what she wanted her dog to be able to do, how she thought her dog might be able to help her. She, she was able to be a part of the application process. And one of the things that she said and told me from the beginning, I want a black dog and I want it to be a girl. And I kept telling her, well, you just never know. You never know because, um, and, uh, we got our match letter and, um, believe it or not, um, our dog was a girl and she was black (laughs) and, um, I don't know from the time that, that Julia saw her, it, there was an instant connection and, um, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, except that it's, it's a connection that words can't describe a lot of the differences, um, that has happened for, for my daughter is um, a lot of times just simply having the presence of Angel, which is her dog's name, um, has, um, she has severe anxiety um, as, as part of her disability. And just having the presence of Angel has, has taken that um, down so much. Um, uh, Julia's never, she wouldn't go to the bathroom by herself. Um, executive functioning difficulties wouldn't, um, she had trouble picking out her clothes in the morning. Um, making any type of decision independently. Um, one of us, um, as parents had to always be there assisting Julia and um, Angel goes to the bathroom with her. Angel helps pick out her clothes in the morning. Um, It's just given her a sense and a level of independence that she's never had before. Um, It's allowed her to be more and more successful at school. 
just Angel's presence has um, changed so many things. We haven't had to use um, a lot of behavior disruption tasks. Um, Julia seeks Angel out. One of the things that she would do at school when she felt overwhelmed and she was overstimulated, she would immediately go under her desk and hide. And then pretty soon that was the start of the escalation cycle. And the next thing that would happen pretty soon, she would tip over a desk or she would start tearing things up underneath her desk. And um, it would just, the escalation cycle would just go from there. And by that time she was so dysregulated, either the classroom had to be cleared or Julia had to be removed from the classroom. And at school, Angel sits at her feet underneath her desk. And so um, when Julia starts becoming overwhelmed, she goes underneath the desk and seeks out Angel and rubs her ears and talks to her and um, gets kisses from her and is able to come back up and sit back in her chair when she is ready. But she, she never could have done that without the assistance of Angel. Oh my goodness. I love, love, love hearing this. Lori, thank you for sharing that. It just shows what the three of us know. And, and I hope so many by listening to this episode, there is such, it, it's such a supernatural bond between animals and, and humans. And honestly, I, I genuinely think that angels relationship with your daughter was divinely orchestrated. And I also know from, from our family's past experience with, you know, with our, our dogs and, and with, uh, with our, you know, now we have a cat who I like to say he's my therapy cat. Um, our animals just bring such unconditional love and unconditional support into our lives. And to just to hear how Angel has transformed, you know, Julia's life and what you said, oh, my goodness, Lori, that Angel has allowed your daughter to to become more independent and, and do more things independently. That right there is something I hope everybody can hear. And, and it is so nice um, to for her to be recognized in the school as the girl with the service dog rather than the girl that tears apart classrooms or the girl that, you know, has a hard time playing on the playground. You know, it has made her, there are people that I don't even know if she knows, I mean, <laughs> It's like, how do they know her? How do they? But everybody in the school knows her. And um, it's in a positive light. And Julia can feel that. I, and it's been the first year in school that we've been able to experience that. Oh, that is such a huge celebration, Lori. And that's such a huge victory. And I love how Angel has has helped helped the school, helped your community, helped everyone see 
the gifts that Julia has. You know, it's this wonderful relationship that Angel is bringing out the gifts that Julia has in her and, and everybody is seeing Julia in a different light because of this wonderful relationship that she has with Angel. Oh my goodness. I love, 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 love this. So thank you, Lori, for sharing that. Um, I, I just, again, I'm so happy to be sharing your family's journey and also Kelly to be sharing four paws for ability, because this is just such such a treasure and such a service. And like Lori said, this is something that our kids, and I, I use air quotes because kids, you know, teens, young adults, adults, I know that four paws for ability serves a variety of age and developmental and diagnoses. So Kelly, let's talk about specifically about goals, initiatives, things that are happening before we get into the good stuff of how people can get in touch with you and learn more. Let's talk about some of the things that Four Paws for Ability has going on now. Yes, absolutely. So we're planning to place 120 dogs this year and and try to keep that number consistent. Um, over the next few years, uh, COVID really interrupted um, our schedule in 2020, and we ended up pushing a lot of those dogs into 2021. So 2021 was rather chaotic, and um, we're glad that's over. And so uh, now we are on track to place 120 dogs this year and next year, and we are actually booking right now into 2024. And what I mean by that is Laurie had alluded to the fact that there is a fundraising requirement that we have. So we are a nonprofit organization, but we do require a what's called a fee for service. And so that's just a partial cost of what it really costs for Paul's to train the dog. And so um, the good thing is, is that we do have support on staff that can walk the family through that journey um, if they need it. And so I did work with Lori briefly, um, but she was all over it and, and was very successful in a fairly short amount of time from what I remember, Lori, you can correct me, but um, yeah, so that's our goal really in 2022, just to keep up what we're doing, serve as many people within the scope of our ability and the sweet spot really this year just seems to be 120 without um stressing out our training staff <laughs> um, and really how people can get in touch with us is just doing exactly what Lori mentioned is going out on our website, um, which is the number four Paul's for forability.org. Um, there's information on the types of different dogs that we do. And I had mentioned a few of those at the beginning. Um, then you can fill out the application. Um, there's a few other documents that need to come through uh, with it, which is the doctor's prescription, um, two letters of reference, but um, basically that's the, that's the start of the process. Um, then there's an interview um, over the phone or in person if you're local to us, um, and then determining exactly what your child can benefit from on the tasks that we can train. Agreeing on those, then completing the fee-for-service, and then getting placed into class. Um, and then, like Laurie said, um, there's a about six months before class, there's a form 
that you can get your child involved in that says, hey, what, what do you envision your dog to be like? And it, it's crazy. I, I didn't know that story, Laurie, that Julia had asked for a, a black female. And I'm really happy to hear that we were able to make that happen. Um, but but um, yeah, so they can, you know, indicate, well, you know, they might be afraid of this or they don't want a dog that does kisses. You know, maybe they don't like that, the kisses. So we'll we'll choose a dog that doesn't like to kiss, you know, um, and we really try hard to match the right dog with the right child. And it really is um, just the skill of our trainers. They take a lot of time and care in trying to make sure that that match is correct. Um, so those are our, that's really how, to, how the process works. And then Lori, as she said, you know, a couple of weeks before clash, you get the match and then they come to a nine day class. It starts on a Saturday, goes through a Sunday and then they take a public access test and graduate and become a service dog team. And then we um, provide any kind of follow-up that they might need throughout their journey. You know, if there's something goes a little off track, they can talk to our trainers at any time saying, hey, you know, the dog doesn't seem to be doing this or how do I redirect or whatever. Um, but we're there um, for them for, to support because, you know, sometimes you get the dog home and life kind of gets in the way. Um, and so just getting that, um, you know, having that support of our staff, um, we, we're happy to offer that to all of our clients. We want to make sure it's successful um, because hearing, you know, Julia's story, it just, you know, I was over here wiping my eyes, you know, because I've been doing this for 12 years on staff, but I still am just in awe of what these dogs can do. And I'm just really proud to hear that it's going so well for Julia and Angel. And I was wiping my eyes too, Kelly, because this Julia and Angel's story, again, just demonstrates so many things. And something that I love about what the bond is between an animal, you know, their service dog and a child um, is that again, it's unconditional and our kids. And I, again, I say this, you know, with air quotes, affectionately, our kids don't see, they can't experience. It's very difficult for them to experience unconditional love because a lot of times their brain is stuck in that fight or flight mode and, and they, they just can't get there. So having that physical and, and emotional support of a service dog brings them back to that, that balance, you know, that, that state that they can function and not only function, but from what you're saying, Lori thrive, you know, which again, I'm just so happy to hear that. So that gives me hope. So that's my hope takeaway. And, um, Kelly and Lori, I'm, I, I'd like you each to share just some words of hope for our listeners about how, having a service dog can really transform your, your child, your teen, your loved one's life and, and what hope you've seen from these relationships. Sure. Just like you were mentioning the unconditional love, the acceptance, um, always being there, always listening, never talking back. Um, you know, just being that presence 
And um, I think that's just so important for all of us, you know, even those of, those of us who just have pet dogs. I mean, it's just, there's such a comfort. But imagine having a trained service dog that can, that can be trained specifically for that child and really then be able to support them in public. I mean, none of us can bring our pets into work or into school, but you can with a service dog. And I just love hearing how beneficial that has been for her in a school setting. And now she can focus on learning instead of just trying to get through the day. Thank you so much, Kelly. And Lori, how about you? From the beginning, I mean, I hope is what what got us where we are today. I mean, I, like I said, I was at the end of, I felt like I was at the end of the road, (laughs) but I kept thinking, you know what, there has to be something. And from the beginning of when I found um, Four Paws for Ability and what they had to offer and the hope that I clung to with that, it was, um, has just been a walk of faith since then. Um, when I was, I felt totally overwhelmed. I thought, oh my gosh, there is absolutely no way that how am I going to make that fundraising goal? We live in a small remote Island in Alaska. And, um, but it was just, it's been nothing but a walk of faith since then. Um, we were able to fundraise almost, um, to the day, three months from the time we started, And I thought we were never going to see it. And I just watch every day um, the amount that Julia grows a little bit more. And the confidence that that I'm gaining, um, that our family's gaining in becoming the handler. I'm I'm the adult portion of a three-team. We've got myself as the handler, Julia and Angel, and it's just, um, it, the hope just keeps growing. Um, I don't know if it's a, I, I actually, I don't think I have a takeaway. I'm just. I think that is the takeaway right there, Lori, that the hope keeps growing. That, that is the takeaway. Oh my goodness. I, this episode exudes hope for me. And um, I am just so thankful that you both were able to share your journey and to share the countless benefits of service dogs, and especially for those children and families uh, of those that have FASD, of children with FASD. Kelly Cam of Four Paws for Ability and Lori Hodney, Thank you so much for being on FASD Hope today. Thank Thank you, Natalie. We really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed Take care and always have hope.